You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Harvest Church is a community that exists to love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at myharvestchurch.ca. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 6 as we continue in our series through Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Just a few verses this morning, verses 18 to 20, as we jump into the text this morning. As you're turning there, it was years ago, I was with um, some students in the last ministry I ran, and, and we were in the Florida Keys with a, a plan to go scuba diving. We, we'd done the pool session the night before, and, and, and they gave us this final instruction. They said, hey, it looks like it might be stormy tomorrow, so when you come, don't eat a ton before we head out in the ocean. Now, somehow I missed those final instructions, or I chose to ignore them, probably. Um, and so me and another student um, for an early lunch stopped by Burger King on the way to the boat, and, and there was a deal. It was a two Whoppers for a really cheap price, and you can't pass up a good deal. And so we both ate a couple of Whoppers, uh, large fries, and a really huge, large Coke, because they do things big in the States. Like, they're large Coke. It's, it's big. And so we do that, and... and um, we head out onto uh, um, the open sea. And as I was leaning over the edge of the boat and um, chumming the waters with two Whoppers, large fries, and a really huge Coke, I was thinking to myself, last instructions are very important. Right? Like, 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 especially when they're coming from somebody who knows what they're talking about. So when somebody says, hey, hey, final instructions, make sure you do this, our ears should perk up and pay attention to them. And so we come to the end of this letter that Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and, and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's written to us as well, right? And it's important to notice that Paul ends this whole letter with some final instructions. In verse 10, he says, finally, and here are his final instructions for us. Starting in verse 10, let's go back and get the context of the verses we're going to be reading. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, alert with, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let me pray for us as we jump into this this morning. Heavenly Father, I just pray even right now, Lord, um, as we see um, such important instructions for us as a church, 
um, for such a time as this that we would, we would be able to have our hearts and our minds attentive to what you are saying to us this morning. So I pray that as I speak, God, that it be your words. I pray that your word would be alive and active in our hearts to challenge us where we need to be challenged, to, to encourage us and shore us up where we need that. But God, most of all, we need to hear from you this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, we walked through this idea that we, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the principalities of darkness, the rulers and authorities. And, and, and this battle we face is so real as Christ's followers. But listen, we also see this, that we've been given everything we need for this fight. We've been given everything we need by God. That the, yes, the battle is real. We have an enemy. Satan is at work, and, and he's at work to convince you that everything we've been studying in this book is not true. He's at work to convince you that, that all that we've heard in Ephesians, that, that you're chosen, that you're beloved, that you're adopted, that you're accepted, that you're redeemed by God, that you're filled and empowered with the Spirit, that you're united in Christ with each other, that you, that you can stand firm in Jesus, and Satan's at work saying, no, that's not true. He's trying to distract you from that or lie to you to take your eyes off of this truth. I mean, if you go back in Scripture to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis 3, what do you see Satan doing? What's he doing in the very beginning to Adam and Eve? He, he's not possessing them. He's lying to them. Like how Tim Keller says it, Satan doesn't leave fang marks on your flesh. He leaves lies in your heart because he's a liar. I mean, think about, about, about what Satan is at work actively doing in our culture. He, he, Satan is the one in movies telling us to find your own truth. That's where you get fulfillment. He, he's the one behind an economic system that teaches us that, that money is the key to success and happiness. He, he's the one on social media convincing you that you're missing out. He's, he's the one writing books and blogs, offering ultimate hope in life apart from God. He's working through governments, wooing people into hoping that a, a better government is their answer. He's the one preaching in churches that life is all about you, that God wants to make you rich and hell's not for real, that the standards of the Bible, well, those were for then. They're so different now for this time. And he's the one who whispers to you that it's a ridiculous idea to put your hope and trust in Christ. He's behind it all. Listen, Satan isn't all about recognition. What he's about is your destruction. And so today we hit this high point in the conclusion of this letter. And, and you would think that last week was the high point, talking about this amazing spiritual armor we have for the battle. I mean, what could be more epic than that? But Paul, wrapping this all up with his last instructions for us, he's saying the key to this whole battle the key to this, the whole letter here is this, that we started the whole first half of this letter talking about the, the truth of what it is to be blessed in Christ. The hope that which he's called you, the, the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then we move through this book, we hit chapter four, and Paul begins to lay out the practical outworkings of that gospel truth with that phrase where he says, now walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Because of who you are in Christ, this is what your life will look like. Us walking together in a new relationship, in a new life together, doing this messy thing we call church, growing in grace and unity 
Walking in a culture that says something so very different. Walking in a very different direction. And then we get to the end here and Paul says, hey, hey, in, in your marriages, in your families, in your work life, live as those changed by the gospel. And you get to the very end and Paul's getting super practical. He's saying, in all those areas of your life, marriage, family, work, it's a war zone. So he says, armor up. Armor up. And, and, and he says, you've, you've been given an armor as a Christ follower that protects you against the enemy's attack. Weapons that you can move forward in victory, not just defensively, but we move forward in victory. And we, we saw last week that every piece of this armor is something you need to believe and something you need to obey. And then today, listen, today is so key for us. The key to believing the promises of God, the key to obeying what he's called us to, the key to this whole armor moving forward in victory and power is prayer. Now you notice when he gets to verse 18, it's, there's not another piece of armor for prayer. He's not saying, oh, oh and, and grab the glasses of prayer or, or put on the shoulder pads of prayer. Like that's not in there. But, but when you see what he says, praying at all times, the grammar of how he forms this is such that when you read that, it's this blanket that covers all the armor. It's saying when you put on the helmet of salvation, praying as you do that. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, praying as you do that. Prayer is over all of this. So, so when Satan attacks you with lies about God, lies about his love for us, lies about the freedom you have in Christ, lies about God's sovereign care over even the situation you're in right now, where he lies about God's perfect boundaries for us to live our lives in, there are lies to keep us from the armor, to keep us from believing and obeying, from walking in that freedom that we've been called. And so Satan's going to attack. He attacks with discouragement. And he's hoping that his lies are louder than the truths of God's promises. He attacks with distraction to pull us away from obediently acting on the truth of, of stepping into the battle. Because listen, as a Christ follower, every one of us has been given a mission to go into the world to spread the fame and name of Jesus Christ, to teach and proclaim the good news of the gospel of grace. Now, how do we advance that mission in the midst of this cosmic, cosmic war? Listen, we do it through prayer, continual, intentional prayer. None of us will be able to open our mouths boldly now we're going to be able to go boldly in, in, in the power of the Spirit without prayer. It says here the battle's not flesh and blood. And so we need something that's not a flesh and blood uh, uh, weapon. We, we need something that is, that is prayer-filled. Those who are strong in the Lord, he says in verse 10, and, and not of themselves will be praying people. You see, all through Ephesians, we're told over and over again all the things that we have going for us as believers, but also hearing at the end here, there's a, a lot raging against us as well, which probably explains why prayer can be hard. I mean, maybe this week after last Sunday, you grabbed a hold of the verses of the armor and you started to wrestle through, what is it that I'm not believing? What is it that I'm not obeying? And it's not easy. The battle isn't an easy fight. This is why we pray. It's prayer that 
allows you to put on the armor of God. It's prayer that allows you to believe that, that, that Christ is at work because you have cosmic powers working against you to keep you focused on the temporal things of life. And if prayer is the key, then, then the enemy is going to do all he can to, to subtly draw you into the illusion that you're doing just fine apart from prayer, that you don't need prayer, or that prayer doesn't work. The context of these verses to prayer is the context of battle. I, mean, I like how John Piper says it. He says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom for ringing up the butler to change the thermostat. He says it's a wartime walkie-talkie to call in firepower because the enemy is greater than we are. If you turn this into a domestic intercom to bring another pillow, it malfunctions and you wonder why. It's not made to be an intercom. It's made to be a wartime walkie-talkie. I love that. We armor up. We stand firm. We advance on this mission through prayer. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, all of heaven lies before the grasp of the one asking. All the promises of God are rich and inexhaustible and their fulfillment is to be had in prayer. So here we have this, this amazing opportunity to, to have this powerful act of humility and trust where you put your hope in, in who God is. You put your hope in what he's promised and this, this prayer is the key to our victory in battle. Because if, if Satan can get us to only pray a little or, or to not pray at all, listen, he's gonna get a foothold to distract you from the mission we've been called to. It's so easy to be distracted by flesh and blood, isn't it? By the temporal and we miss the eternal. We miss the mission. Because here's the thing, Satan actually doesn't care about your temporal stuff. He doesn't. He could care less if you have a summer home on Lake Joe or if you're working hard just to keep food on the table. Satan could care less. He could care less if you're rich or poor. He only cares that you're consumed with this kingdom instead of advancing Christ's kingdom. And so we have to take our eyes off of the things of the world. And man, that is a fight, is it not? I don't know about you, but I find it a battle. Every time I leave Sunday morning and I just step out, back out into, to, into the world, I, I leave a life group and I, I roll back into the world where, where, where listen, listen, I, I've been focused on eternal things together with, with brothers and sisters. And I step out into the world where, 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 listen, our minds get sucked into Netflix and Instagram and Amazon Prime and what's on sale now and what can I get? And I'm gonna scroll marketplace. And it makes sense that scripture calls us in verse 18, pray all the time in the spirit. You're gonna see a bunch of alls here that Paul uses. There are a few of them. And, and when a, a word gets repeated in, in a few verses, you, you wanna pay attention. I mean, there's something going on here. And so, so the first all is this, pray all the time in the spirit. The battle rages all the time, so we need to pray all the time. Now, I, I like the hope of that, that, that I have access to that, but it's also, it can be a bit discouraging. You know, when you read in, in in Thessal 1 Thessalonians 5, to pray without ceasing. And here, pray all the time. How do I do that? But remember this, prayer is just talking to God. Like, don't overthink it. You don't need to be super smart. You don't need to be rehearsed in, in deep theology to be able to pray. Because anyone who's in Christ, you've been told by God in Hebrews to come boldly into the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we seek the face of God. We acknowledge our helplessness and his power. We spend our day seeking him, seeking his counsel, seeking his power for the mission. 
We pray all the time. Why? Because we need Jesus all the time. And notice Paul says this. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit. I think this links us back earlier in Ephesians when we're called to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be listening to the Spirit. Now he's saying, pray in the Spirit. So, so listen, if your life is in the Word, if you're walking with the Lord, the Spirit will be speaking and he's gonna stoke prayers in your heart. That, that's what it means to pray in the Spirit. It's not something weird. It's just that I'm listening to what God's calling me to. I'm reading his word. I'm, I'm hearing the prompting of the Spirit. And, and so it's this awareness of the Spirit at work in your life and in our world. And you submit to him as he points you to Jesus. That's what the Spirit is doing all the time. It's, the Spirit is saying, look at Jesus. Worship Jesus. Follow Jesus. Ask Jesus. <clears throat> The Spirit of God wants us dependent on Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I love about praying in the Spirit as well, because there's an encouragement there too. In Romans 8, it says, when you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit is praying for you, along with you. I mean, to get there, where you're like, man, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to take into the throne room. And it says that that groaning you have, not even words coming out, that the Spirit is with you there. I kind of get it this way, that, that I'm kind of fumbling through my prayers and the Spirit's like, here's what he really means. Right? Pray at all times. Here's the other, second all. Pray all kinds of prayer, it says. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Pray all kinds of prayer. And I like this command because it, it helps me understand how I could pray more because it's, it's not just praying one kind of prayer. It, it's confessing to the Lord when, when I choose sin. That's prayer. It's thanking the Lord for blessings you have all around you. And listen, if you live in Muskoka or you're vacationing in Muskoka, man, in the summer, we got a lot to say thank you for, right? I was just out for dinner with one of my daughters. We're just sitting in Huntsville, pub of the docks, overlooking the river. And it's like, we live where people vacation. This is amazing. That's a prayer. As we're giving thanks to the Lord for that. Like, do you have that kind of thankfulness in your, in your, in your prayers? Praying all kinds of prayers. Worship where you're praising God for who he is. You're thanking for his faithfulness, his power, his grace. He says all kinds of prayer and supplication. He's saying that there's different kinds of prayer. There's, there's prayers we pray that I just mentioned. Then there's these prayers that we're saying we ask. We're, we, there's supplication. There's this imploring of the Lord, this heartfelt need we have. He says, bring those to me. I mean, God loves when you seek his heart, and he loves when you seek his hand. When you're praying and you're praising him to the glory of his name, and when you're asking him for help. When, when you're just lifting up a, a word of prayer and thanks for his goodness, and when you say, Lord, help me see your goodness in this. And I love that all kinds of prayer. It means there aren't prayers that are too small or too big. I think of Nehemiah going to speak to King Artaxerxes. And he's going in there and the king notices that, that, that he doesn't have a real happy look on his face. And for the king to notice you're not happy in his presence could mean you're going to be put to death. But Nehemiah had a passion, a, a desire by the Lord to go and rebuild Jerusalem. And so the king says to him, hey, what do you want? And just a quick little verse in there. Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the Lord and answered the king. Do you think he went, just a second, King of Xerxes, and he went and he, dear Lord and our God and Father in heaven. And, like, do, do you think he did that? Or did he, he just like, I prayed, Lord, like, Lord, help me. Like short prayers. I love that we can pray those kinds of prayers. We can, pr we can pray about huge things and small things. God loves when we bring it all to him. 
So you're going to pray a lot of generic prayers, general prayers. You're going to pray a lot of specific prayers. You, you may be praying general prayers like, Lord, Lord, help, help me this year at school as I start another year. You might pray a general prayer, Lord, guide the leaders of our nation. Lord, let the gospel spread throughout Muskoka and to the ends of the earth. Lord, help me live out the gospel today. Those kind of general prayers. Or, or you'll pray specific prayers as well, all kinds of prayers. Lord, Lord my, my child is straying from the truth and far from you. Would you stop him dead in his tracks, cause him to follow you? That's a specific prayer. Lord, would you give me boldness today as I know I'm talking to my coworker and I want to share the gospel with him today? Lord, I'm weighed down by this illness and suffering. Would you heal me today? And in the meantime, help me to learn the way of Christ through suffering and display your goodness to others as I walk out this trial. Specific prayers. Another specific way to pray, I think, is to think of a number of people who you know that don't know Jesus. I mean, do you have a list of people like that? Like, like names could come to your mind right away? If you don't, start to hang out with pagans more, Okay. Don't huddle up here so much. Like, are there people that you could pray by name? God, would you open their heart? I wonder if, if maybe a lack of prayer is not, uh, sorry, a lack of evangelism, of, of sharing the gospel is not that we lack the skill of sharing the gospel, but maybe we don't pray about it enough. Maybe we're not asking the Spirit of God would give us boldness and the words to speak. Listen, when we don't pray, when we don't pray about the mission, Satan is great with that. He'll kick back. Life may be even easy for you. But when you pray like this, when you start to lean into these kinds of prayers, when you start to say, Lord, I'm stepping into the front lines on this mission you've called me to, listen to what Paul also says in verse 18. Not just pray all the time. Not just pray all prayers. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We pray with all perseverance. I mean, don't forget, you are in a cosmic battle. Satan is shooting fiery arrows at you all the time. Temptation, accusations. Every step of the Christian life will be met with opposition from the evil one. So we need to persevere in prayer. That's why I say prayer isn't easy. I don't know, I get distracted. I get self-sufficient where I'll go and be like, man, I haven't prayed for a while. Why? Because I think I can do it on my own. I get discouraged I get fearful and insecure. Do you ever have that? Where, where you have a prayer you know you should be praying and you're either fearful to bring it to the Lord or, or more often we're fearful to talk to somebody else or say, hey, I want to pray about this. And sometimes spouses aren't praying. Why? Because there's this insecurity about it. Sometimes I just let sin keep me from prayer. Shame keep me from prayer. Listen, we need to, it says, keep alert. Don't be lulled to sleep. Don't forget the mission and the battle, but to be alert with perseverance to have a resolve that even when it's hard, we move forward in prayer. What's that mean? It means getting up early when I'd rather sleep longer. Getting up early to be in the word and prayer. It's having the courage to ask somebody to pray. It's, it's choosing not to numb myself with scrolling or Netflix and instead, listen, that you would seek the truth of the Lord, that you would, you would take your heart and your life to him in prayer instead. It's, it's not avoiding the fear and the shame and the worry, but instead entering into that and saying, Jesus, what do you say about this? What do you say about my circumstance? What have you done already, Lord Jesus? Where are you right now? And you take it to him in prayer. And I think this perseverance, it, it, it links us back, comes back to verse 10, where it says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. 
That you step into this battle, you need to persevere in prayer, and we're saying, I, I can't do this on my own, and so prayer is that way that you say, I need the Lord in his might. And we remember that, that we've already been told that those who are in Christ, you've been given the power that we need for this mission of the gospel. I love what Paul says. He, he, he says in verse 19, he says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, if, if the apostle Paul needed prayer for perseverance, I mean, how much more do I need this? And, and he says this oxymoron. Do you see it there? He goes, I'm an ambassador in chains. Those two words don't go together. I mean, how can you be an ambassador and in chains? If you're an ambassador, you've got like diplomatic immunity, you've got these privileges, but, but Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. Why? Because he's an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He's on mission, so he can say, even in chains, listen, I might be in Roman chains, but I'm as free as ever on this mission that Christ has called me to. That's what he's saying. Those Roman guards chained to him were hearing the gospel all day. They were seeing it lived out by a man with joy and hope in the midst of his suffering. In fact, I'd say this. Do you know that your ability to endure all things is able to make you more like Christ? It provides an opportunity for you to be an ambassador for Christ. Maybe your suffering, maybe the difficult circumstances you're in is your, your opportunity to be an ambassador in chains. I mean, think about Paul. He's fresh off a couple of shipwrecks, beatings, rejections. Now he's in chains. He's actually awaiting his execution. He's probably in his mid-50s as he's writing this, and he's not done. He hasn't thrown in the towel. He's instead asking for prayer. And uh, his prayer is interesting, isn't it? He's not saying, hey, pray that I get out of this prison. Hey, could you pray that they have better pillows here? Hey, could you pray that my, my cell is more comfortable? No, he says, pray that I could be a witness of grace to proclaim Jesus. That's his prayer. I mean, I've been thinking about this all week. I've been thinking about my own life. I've been thinking about you guys and thinking, what if, what if pain that, that, that we'd be enduring even right now is able to make us more like Christ? Is a way that God's saying, I want you to testify of my mercy all the more. Like, like what if the struggle you have at work, what if, what if the relationship difficulty, what if the strife you have, what if, what if the health crisis you're in, what if, what if the family or school problems, what if, what if Satan wants us so distracted and so discouraged and so focused on the circumstances that we forget the mission, but, but what Satan means for evil, God can absolutely use for good. And so what if the pain you're enduring right now is meant to produce the righteousness of Christ in your life? So, so let's pray for healing. Let, let's pray for better circumstances. Let's pray for breakthroughs and restoration. Let's pray big prayers, though, that the mission of God would be advanced even in the midst of trials. That's the kind of prayer that shouts into the face of the enemy, Jesus is better. I'm in Christ. Christ has won. His power in me in this trial is producing in me an eternal weight of glory. Now listen, hear, hear me on this. I, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's pain. I mean, let's keep praying about those situations as well. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray and let's bring our lives to the Lord every circumstance, but let's also pray bold prayers like Paul does here where he cries out saying, let me be bold here. Paul prayed, Lord, take away this thorn in the flesh. And in Corinthians, he says, he had a struggle. He goes, take this, like he's praying for those horizontal things. And, and then God says, no, 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 my grace is sufficient for you. In my weakness, sorry, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. 
And Paul's response to that, he would rather have the thorn removed for sure. Whatever struggle that was, but he says, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weakness so the power of Christ may rest on me. Really quickly as we wrap up, here's the last all. It says in the end of verse 18, pray for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. Make supplication for all the saints. Pray for each other. That that prayer isn't just a in your closet, you and Jesus thing. There's a relationship aspect to this where we pray for each other. Listen, we pray with each other. We pray for each other on mission. So we're we're praying for missionaries. We're praying for for the gospel to go out. We're praying for 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 our students. We're praying for for as they go into schools. We're praying for our pastors. We're praying for your life group leaders. We're praying for each other as we step out on mission. And so here's my question for you. Who, who do you regularly pray for? Are there people who are like, no, like this is, this is like, it's plugged into my calendar, man. Like uh, on Mondays I pray this, on Tuesdays this is who I pray for, and you regularly pray for people. Myself, I, I'm, I am, um, I'm bad with remembering details, and, and so I do need to use a calendar so I actually have it written out. If someone were to say, pray for me, I say, I will. If I don't write it down, I probably won't. Or that's why I love to just pray right there. Hey, can we pray right now? Um, I also like to use, here's just a, you don't have to do this. Here's what I do. Um, I use locations to prompt me. So, so when I drive by the school, I'm praying for students in the school. When I, drive, when I drive by your house, if you're on the way to work, you get prayed for a lot, all right? For some of you guys who, who own businesses, when, when I see trucks with, with your names on the truck, I'm praying for you because that, that just prompts my prayers. I drive by where you work and the spirit prompts just to pray. And I, I love that Paul gets so specific here though. And he's saying, hey y'all, would you pray for me? I mean, this has been such a big letter, but he ends it so humbly saying, pray for me. I mean, can I encourage you to use the prayer request part of our church app? Fill prayer requests in there. Elders and and pastors and staff pray over those every week. The connection card that goes by, that you would fill out the prayer part so we can pray for each other. We can pray about the mission God's called you to. We can pray about where you need strength in the midst of a struggle. Let's be a praying people. And listen, let's be an asking for prayer kind of people as well. We pray because Christ is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to his power at work within us. So we pray all the time. We pray all kinds of prayer. We pray with all perseverance. So pray, pray that this mission God's called us to as a church would be fulfilled. Pray pray to see Huntsville, Muskoka, the ends of the earth, the nations here and experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray for each other in this family of God. Let's not trust in our own strength, but instead put on the gospel armor, each piece of the armor with prayer to believe what God says, to do what he calls us to do, wherever he calls us to go with this hope of Jesus Christ. I pray that would be the cry of our lives. To live as Christ, to die as gain. That we go in the power of the spirit through prayer, that we boldly be on mission for Christ. So listen, as I call the worship team up, as we end off this morning, we're gonna end things off a little differently than we normally would. I said earlier that I don't want to be a church that just talks about prayer, that we'd actually be a church that prays. And so um, here's what we're going to do. Um, <clears throat> just in, in 
where you're seated right now. Maybe you're seated with a husband and wife that you would, you would gather together for this. And maybe you're seated as a whole family. You'd maybe huddle up as a family. Maybe you're here with friends and just, just that you would gather as friends. And maybe you're thinking right now, uh-oh, he's gonna make me pray with people. Maybe, maybe. Here, here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> maybe if you're alone or if you see somebody just sitting alone, say, hey, come, come with us. And here's, here's what I want you to do. Would one person in that group take some time right now to pray. We would gather together, huddled up together, all across this room praying. Here's what I want you to pray for. Let's pray right out of this text. Let's, Let's pray for perseverance in the mission. If God lays in your heart someone specific to pray for, that, that, that as, a, as a little group that you would pray by name for people. Maybe it's somebody who's in a tough season. Maybe it's a, someone who needs the gospel. Pray for each other and listen. Pray, pray for the mission of the gospel. Pray for our church together. Pray that we be a church that is walking in unity with the gospel of Christ to our town.